there was this family uh, that I had a chance to meet a number of years ago, but this family, uh, the mom had a brain tumor, I think several brain tumors actually, and had been given the diagnosis that she was going to die. And uh, they, were, they lived in this remote part of Nepal, in the country of Nepal, and in this region that to get to Kathmandu uh, would take like three or four days travel, and they would travel in a variety of different uh, vehicles, like little, little carts, and you know, just, just to get to anywhere, you had to do this big, long travel thing. And so this family, um, you know, were, were in this village, and they were Hindus, not Christians at all. She had this tumor and was going to die, and then they uh, met some Christians in this village. This, this uh, man and his wife had started a church there and were trying to win people to Christ. And in Nepal at the time, there was very few Christians because it had been a Hindu monarchy for like 500 years, so pretty much everybody there was, was Hindu and a few Buddhists there too as well, so not very many Christians. So they met this Christian pastor and this lady, and they said, hey, we, we'd love to be praying for you. And they were like, okay, you know, you know, tell us more about your God, because they had like 30,000, you know, gods in their religion. And, and so um, then they heard that there was a conference going on in Kathmandu uh, that was going to be on the subject of healing. And this pastor said, hey, I really think that you should go there, because I think if you go there and you receive prayer, you might get healed. And so they're like, all right, well, let's do it. And so as a family, they get in the, in the carts and they start traveling. And they did like three days travel to Kathmandu. And they arrived at this conference, uh, this big conference center. And there was like, I think, six or 700 people there. And they walked in, in the middle of the service, just opened the doors and walked to the very front of the room and told the pastor that they were there to get healed. Okay. And I happened to be in the room at that time, and I was on the side, and I remember when it happened, I was just like, this is kind of weird. Because just imagine right now if somebody just like really loudly opened the back door and then walked right up here right now and like interrupted us, okay? It was like one of those moments, and I'm like, I don't know what's going on. Are we, is something crazy about to go on? You know, like, am I going to see a fight? Um, and so the pastor that was talking to them, and then he looked over at us, at me and my, my four or five friends, and he pointed at us, and then they walked over to us. And I'm like, I'm like, what is going on here? And the pastor came over and said, hey, explain the story. Told us that this lady had, had these, this, these tumors and that she was um, there to, to get healed and that we were going to heal her. And I was like, I am? Like, a little bit of pressure in that moment, right? And, uh, and so we're like, okay, well, we're, we're going to pray at the end of this music time. And so they stayed back and a group of us prayed for this lady and I remember at the time, um, you know, like I grew up believing that God can heal, but I, and I had seen some, some examples of people being healed, but I kind of went through a period of time in my mid-20s where I kind of was skeptical a little bit too, because I do think that there are a lot of people out there that fake things, and that sometimes Christians can be um, naive, would be the best way to put it. And I don't think that those things, like when we, when we fake stories, I don't think the, those things help the church, though. I think what, we, what helps the church is when they're true, authentic, miraculous things. Does that make sense? The difference between faking it and, like, you know, trying to manipulate the data. So I'm like, at that time, I was a little skeptical, and I was like, I don't know. I've been around charismatics my whole life, and they're a little weird, you know, and, like, they make things up all the time. And, and so I, I'm, I'm like, all right, but I also do believe that God can heal people, so I remember we're praying for this, this person, and, 
And while we were praying, some of you have heard this story before, but while we're praying, I had um, this scripture passage pop into my mind. Mind you, at this time, I should back up, I did not, we didn't know what we were praying for because, again, they speak a different language. We just were told to pray for them. That's it. I didn't know about the brain tumors, okay? That's an important part of the story. But uh, I'm, I'm, I get this, I feel like the Lord gives me this scripture, and it was, Psalm, it was uh, Philippians 2. And the, the scripture was, have this mind, have the mind of Christ, which is yours in Christ Jesus. And I'm, I'm like, we're praying, and I just said to our group, I said, I feel like God wants us to pray for her mind. And they're like, okay. And so the minute I, like, I put my hand onto her, onto her shoulder to pray for her, she like shot on the ground and like was out. And then everybody looked at me and I'm like, I didn't do it. You know, like, it's totally okay. And, uh, but I'm just like, okay. And I've seen things like that happen before. So I wasn't unfamiliar with that uh, manifestation, so to speak. So the person on the ground, we're praying, we're praying. And then it got like to the point where it was like awkward, like what do we do now? And finally the person who was hosting us came in and he walked up and I explained what had happened. I said we were praying for her and then she fell on the ground, not really sure what to do. Hilariously, this guy leans down, grabs her wrist, checks her pulse, and he says, ah, she's fine. And he's like, let's go eat. And I'm just like, this is wild. Nepal is amazing, you know. And so the next day, they go to a doctor. And they get it verified that she was, like, the tumors were miraculously gone. And so they came and shared that testimony with us. And we're just like, oh, my gosh. And at that time, I was like, oh, my gosh. I'm like, God does heal. Like, I was like, I wasn't really so sure. But he does, you know. And, like, faith was up. And, and it was a really, like, pretty crazy, crazy experience. And, I, and I've seen stories like that a lot in my life. Um, in fact, Sometimes it's really hard to even pick one story because there's so many examples that I, I have from the past, you know, 25 years of being in ministry of people who have experienced God's healing and His, and His power. And, you know, we've spent the last few weeks uh, talking about um, who the Holy Spirit is and, and what activities the Holy Spirit does. We're in the sermon series called Empowered, and it's, it's leading us up to Pentecost Sunday in a couple weeks. And you know, I mean, we've been thinking a little bit about how the Apostle Paul, for example, in Galatians 5, he has this really interesting uh, way of talking about our, our walk, our faith, and he talks about how we live by the Spirit. He's, he's saying, essentially, this whole chapter is he's fleshing out this idea that you and I, collectively, human beings, are like broken deeply and that we're enslaved to the sin nature and that we, we naturally choose the opposite of what we should be choosing, okay? And, and it doesn't take very long for us if we just, we all accept the fact that everybody in here is a sinner, right? Are you with me? Like, we all are broken. We all have issues. Some of you have more issues than others, uh, I've been told. But the uh, point is that we're all equally messed up, right? And then the Holy Spirit comes into our life and awakens our hearts to believe the gospel and to see Jesus for who he is. And we, we, it's like, our, it's like the, the filter's taken off and, and we see Jesus as the son of God who died on the cross for our sins. And that's, what, that's the life that comes from the Spirit. So this is what Paul says. He, says. he says, so since we are living by the Spirit, let us also follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. 
The Greek in this text literally is, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So it's this idea of living by the Spirit and walking by the Spirit. And that's kind of what we've been leaning into a, a bit as a, as a community. Is we've been thinking about, about what it means to, to be saved by grace, by the power of the Spirit, and then to live that, that faith out in what it looks like in the real world. And so central to our identity as a vineyard, you know, we're a vineyard church. There's like 3,000 vineyard churches all over the, the world. Central to our identity is a commitment to being a healing community. That is one of our central things. Uh, in fact, from our core values, we have this idea um, that we have always prayed faithfully for the sick in our church services and in the everyday workplaces and neighborhoods we inhabit. So this has been core to who we are as a church for a very long time. And, and, and I think it's important for us to just maybe just take a, a few minutes here really to think about that, why that's so important. Like I hope that you, when you think about the vineyard, one of the things that you think about our community is that we are committed to seeing people healed. We'll talk about what that means a bit more in a, a few minutes here. But I mean, healing is a really important part of our church's story you know, there are, I mean, dozens and dozens and dozens of stories of people over the years. You know, before, before Don and I came here and pastored, Steve and Maxine Agarda were here for 25-something years, and they had story after story after story of people who were healed, not by us, but by God, by the power of the Spirit. And those testimonies are really important to us. But So not only is healing important to the Vineyard Movement, in healing important to us as a local vineyard church in Red Bluff, but it's also been central to the, to the church throughout history. And there's this really great book uh, called Healing in Christianity by Morton Kelsey, and, and this is essentially a study of all the healings that happened in the New Testament, the early church, the medieval church, and all the way up to the present age. And it's just, the documentation is overwhelming. So there are some people out there that I've heard say, well, Jesus, Jesus healed people, and in the early church there were healings, but God kind of stopped doing that, and, and we don't need to worry about that anymore. There's actually people that believe that, people who, who, who claim to be Christians. And, and I think that that's not true. <laughs> That's a polite way of saying it, that it's really a stupid idea, okay? This is what Morton Kelsey says. Listen to how he, he explains how important healing is. He says that the church experienced a time of great vitality during the 200 years following the apostolic period recorded in the New Testament. That just means Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, all the, the New Testament epistles during that period. So 200 years after that, the church is vital. He says, starting from small bands of Christians, usually centered in the big cities, it grew to a vast spiritual fellowship reaching into nearly every corner of the Roman Empire. We've talked about this before, that Christianity spread all over the Roman Empire very quickly due to a number of reasons. Part of the vital faith these Christians brought with them was the conviction that their God was a loving, caring, and healing God who expected a healing ministry from Christian followers. Listen to that last sentence. The thing that the early, the Roman Empire, the people in the early church, the, the world, the society, what changed them in many ways was the idea that God was healing, but also that they knew that they can go to churches and get prayer and be healed. 
Think about that. Meaning that there were unbelievers in society that would go to churches to receive prayer to be healed, right? Are you with me? That's what this, that's what this book is saying. There's plenty of evidence in this book to, to support that. So last week, Terry Rapley shared an amazing sermon. Phenomenal. I asked Terry why she wasn't preaching this morning. Because I was like, it would be nice if you would do it again. Where's Terry at? She's somewhere around here. Terry, she, good job. It was so good. Yeah, it was amazing. I'm like, you are now officially doing it every week. Um, but she did this, she shared this really powerful sermon about, about Jesus. And, and, and the way she did it was, remar- was just so, so helpful. But the idea of like what, what God did for Jesus and then what God can do for us. But she mentioned how Jesus was baptized and then receives the Holy Spirit in the Gospels. And, and so she kind of just mentioned briefly about that's a big part of Jesus' ministry. Because in the Gospel of Luke, this is something that's really important for us. Some of us might in the room might, in the, in the room might say something like, well, yeah, God can heal. I can't heal anybody, though. And Jesus did it because he was God. So obviously, everybody that Jesus prayed for was healed. And, and it's, it's important to note that the whole point that the Gospel of Luke is wanting us to walk away from reading is that Jesus, while being fully God, he didn't operate with all the privileges of divinity. That's what Paul says in Philippians 2. He actually he gave those things up. So yes, Jesus is fully God. But he didn't, he didn't live as one operating in his divinity. He lived as a human being operating in the power of the Spirit. And he did that to demonstrate for us how we should live. Does that make sense? So like we can't be like, well, I can't do it because I'm not God. Because here's the, here's the beautiful news is that if you're a follower of Jesus, you have been indwelt by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is the one who does the empowering. Does that make sense? So this is why this is pretty important. So th- this is the thing, though. The Spirit anoints to heal and to set free. And that's what Jesus says. When he launches his public ministry in Luke 4, he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news. Good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. That the time of the Lord's favor has come. I want you to, what I want you to notice here is that the Spirit anointed Jesus to heal and set free. I think that's important for us. And then this helps us understand an important part of what healing in the kingdom of God looks like. And so if you haven't figured out by now, what I'm talking about is healing and the Holy Spirit. We're just kind of leaning into that a little bit here. So this is what I think that we need to understand about healing, is that healing is holistic. I think that healing, any, any approach to healing, like if we're going to consider ourselves a community that values healing, we need to do it holistically. Meaning that we need to take seriously the fact that the Holy Spirit can bring, can bring healing to physical to mental, to emotional, and to spiritual needs. Does that make sense? Like it's not just, you know, that, that God wants to heal one aspect of, of human beings. He actually cares about all of our attributes and all of our characteristics, all the different things that make us who we are. And I want to just talk about those for just a few minutes. I want to talk about physical. So this is the part of healing that most of us probably really easily can identify. And just as a quick poll, how many of you 
would say that you have either seen, experienced, or you know, you know of a healing that actually happened. Just out of curiosity, how many in the room? Okay, a few of you. All right. So when we think of healing, oftentimes we think of like legs growing or, you know, like someone who's blind. John chapter 9, there's a man who's born blind and, and Jesus heals him and all of a sudden his sight comes back. And so absolutely, without a shadow of a doubt, the Holy Spirit can, can anoint people to heal physical ailments, okay? And then another aspect, though, is emotional. And I think it's important for us to realize that God does care about the, the griefs and the traumas that cause, um, cause emotional stress in our lives. Like, Jesus actually cares about that. And what I found is that at the end of 2020, it seemed like Jesus was doing a lot of that because the year was so challenging. There was a lot of grief, a lot of trauma, a lot of depression. I mean, all of those things that we have seen skyrocketing amongst young people, I believe that Jesus can actually bring healing. He can bring healing to those situations. Also, mental. Mental um, ailment, so to speak, can be healed by Jesus. And I, I want to just chat really quickly about some complexity here, okay? Um, because I do think that when it comes to mental illness, there's a couple factors that we have to take into consideration. And because here's what I've seen. I've seen when, when I've seen like people, um, you know, walking around that are appearing to be mentally ill, there's a number of things, the number of ways that we react to those people. And I just want us to think of a couple of things. But the first one is this. Can we all agree that all human beings are created in the image of God? So they have intrinsic value in the fact that they're created in the image of God. And can we also agree that God loves all human beings? Okay, let's just start there. But with mental illness, I think there's a, n a number of factors that we need to take into consideration that actually can help us when we're thinking about healing. And the first one is this. Some people suffer from mental illness due to biological factors. Okay? Like, they, they need to take medication. And if they take medication, the medication helps their body actually be able to function in a healthy way, right? So God can bring healing. This is amazing stuff right here. God can bring healing through the medical industry, okay? He can. Doc there are doctors out there that are good. Not all of them are terrible, right? Not all doctors. I mean, there's a lot of really great. I, I would venture to guess that most doctors are probably really great. And so, so that's one factor with mental illness, is that there are biological factors, chemical imbalances, things like that, that can, that can impact mental illness and also healing. Another aspect, and this is the one that I, we have to be really cautious with, I think, is that there is such a thing as demonic oppression. That is a real thing. In fact, there are numerous examples in the Gospels of people who seem to have the, the, if you saw them, you would assume that there's mental illness going on, but Jesus casts out demons out of them. So sometimes people who are exhibiting, um, you know, evidences or manifestations of some sort of, of uh, mental illness, it can be due to the fact that there is demonic oppression, meaning they are under spiritual attack from demonic forces. Um, and then an example of that, would, by the way, would be Luke 8, where Jesus meets a person who is exhibiting all the signs of being schizophrenic and, and you know, he, like, lives in an ultimate different reality, and then Jesus brings healing to them and casts out demons. Um, and then there's also the issue of, of uh, drug use, right? 
drugs can actually be another gateway to mental illnesses. And in the ancient world, what's really interesting is that one of the ways that the ancients would try to interact and commune with spirits was by taking hallucinations, hallucinogenics. They would take those drugs in order to interact with spirits. And you know what? I think that they did. But they were demons, right? So when we talk about mental illness and Jesus bringing healing and mental illness, I think we need to be cautious in the, in the way that we do it because here's the danger, and this is just, as a pastor, this concerns me, is if the assumption is that every mentally ill person is oppressed by demons, it can very quickly hurt people, can it? Because maybe what somebody needs to do is go see a, a doctor and get on medication, right? Does that make sense? But on the other hand, too, I think that there are many cases when we have interaction with someone that we may need to be discerning, and hear from the Holy Spirit and actually pray that Jesus would deliver them from the power of darkness and would free them from demonic oppression. Okay? So, I mean, this is why it's, it's like, I think it's important for us to, to notice the complexity a bit of the mental illness um, challenges and just realize that there's a number in a variety of causes as well as um, ways that God can heal through that. And then finally... In this holistic model, we need to realize that Jesus, by the power of the Spirit, brought healing to people's spiritual lives. In fact, in 1 Peter 2.24, we're told that by Christ's stripes, by his work on the cross, we are healed. And it's talking about, in the context, healing of salvation. Are you with me? Okay, so here's the thing. This is really easy. I'm going to wrap up really quickly here. It's, it's really easy for us to say, like, oh, that was... That was, for, that was for Jesus, not for us. That was for Jesus, not for us. But there's a couple of different passages of Scripture that indicate that that's not the excuse we can use. Jesus said in John 14, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works. Do you see that right there? Like, I used to read that and be like, dang, what does that mean? Greater works? Greater than Jesus? Right? And I think there's a lot of different ways we can interpret that. But the point being is that why does he say this? It's because in the same context, he says, it's better that I go to the Father because when I go to the Father, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you. Okay? And that's why we're able to do miraculous things and see God. And it's not us, to clarify, it's not us doing the miraculous things. It's God doing miraculous things through our obedience of praying for people. So let's stand up together. Okay, really quickly... John Wimber, one of the founders of the Vineyard, famously put together this thing called the five-step prayer model. Anybody ever heard of that in the room? A few of you have? All right, so if you're interested, if you go to our church app, there's a sermon from John Wimber teaching on that. There's a whole bunch of notes and the five-step prayer model. Used to be great. Literally thousands of people have gotten into the practice of praying for people because of the five-step prayer model. And it was developed in the late 70s. So let me tell you what I think. I think five steps is too many now. Because we have the attention span of, yes, it's like goldfish, right? I'm like, I mean, I'm, I'm 44 years old, and, and I've literally known about the five-step prayer model for like 30 years, and I'm always like, uh, what? I get to step three, and I'm like, what was four and five again? Oh, man, you know, squirrel. <laughs> so here's what I, I'm going to suggest. Let's make a three-step prayer model right now. Really quickly, how do we start praying for people for healing? Okay. First of all, there's a factor of risk. You've got to take the risk. But I think it's three steps. Ask, what would you like prayer for? And then pray, 
God, would you heal this person? And then ask is number, is number three. So ask, pray, ask. Because ask at the end is like, do you feel any better? Right? See how easy this is? It's not like rocket science. And so I think that like, if we're going to talk about healing, and we're going to look at Scripture, wouldn't it be weird if we just closed the service right now and all went home? Do you, is that just me who thinks that'd be weird? <laughs> yeah, so I, I'd love to, to just have just a few minutes to pray for, for healing. And uh, maybe what we could do, if, if you're cool with it, why don't you close your eyes and let's just try to maybe create some space where we can, we can respond to what the Holy Spirit may want to do.